This is the Mike Garrigan Podcast. Welcome to episode four of five in the interim podcast from MikeGarrigan.com. My name is Mike Garrigan, and I'll be your host today. The four albums that constitute my personal reflections on the seasons took 20 years to complete. Uh, Producer John Plymel and I recorded the first note of The Lessons of Autumn, which incidentally was for the song Finger Painting in August of 1995. A shipment of cardboard boxes containing the first printing of the Echoes of Winter CD arrived in August 2015. 20 years. Let's think about that for a second. 20 years. That's 20 Christmases. 20 trips around the sun. 7,305 days, if you count the five extra days factored in for the leap years. A fifth of a century. Two decades. 20 years is also the length of time it takes the sheep-eating plant to flower. No lie, the plant's scientific name is Puya chilensis. It's indigenous to the Chilean hillside. Now, sheep tend to get stuck in the flower barbs and, and die from starvation with this particular plant. And legend has it, or had it, that the uh, Puya chilensis absorbs the dead animal's nutrients as the carcass of said animal slowly decomposes. Now, 20 years is about the time it takes for a plastic bag to decompose. But decomposition is, is kind of a misnomer because uh, polyethylene, the material that makes up a plastic bag, um, gets looked over by the microorganisms that actually do the biodegrading. It kind of just breaks down into smaller and smaller bits of plastic. And uh, that rate also depends on if the bag is exposed to direct sunlight. Ultraviolet radiation tends to speed up the process. I can count only two or three sunburns I've had in those 20 years that it took to make those seasonal albums. That's probably wrong if I consider that sometimes I forget to wear a hat when I'm out in the sun. But in my case, being exposed to the sun would have had no net effect on speeding up the creation of the seasons. You know, it took what it took, and it took a lot. And now sitting here in front of this microphone, it's done. It's all done. The purpose of this podcast episode and the episode that follows in a couple weeks uh, is to briefly outline what I envision for both Mike Garrigan, the, the musical brand, and me, Mike Garrigan, the person. It used to strike me as the height of conceit to, to refer to oneself in the third person. And that all changed when, after the Collapsus experience, uh, my name became a brand that identified a specific entertainment product. And for a long time, I experienced much consternation from having an inability to distinguish between these two realities, that is, being a brand and being a person. Uh, when, uh, for example, one night at an Athenaeum reunion show where you know, I was employed to play electric guitar, sing backup, and, and function as a band member, 
I heard distinctly from from the crowd someone shout, Mike Garrigan sucks! <laughs> and it, it threw me off quite a bit. It would throw anybody off to, to hear that kind of thing, um, especially when, you know, I can't separate those two things too well. And, and I took it personally. And, and, you know, this guy probably didn't mean for me to take it personally, but uh, maybe he did. But what what's most likely is that he didn't like my songs or, or my presence in, in the band. He didn't like my brand. You know, he doesn't know anything about me. Who, who knows? Maybe he does. But the, the point here is that uh, the musical brand, Mike Garrigan, that is in the business of selling CDs, syncing downloads uh, and streams for people to enjoy, uh, offering T-shirts, playing shows, those things. Um, th- those things in the past 20 years have supported anywhere from 100% to, to 40% of my income, depending on the year. So it's been something that's very important to me, and it's, it's a business. But apart from that, apart from the brand, Mike Garrigan, uh, I, I'm also a person. I'm, I'm a husband. I'm a father of two. I'm a, a dog master of Lord Smithfield. Uh, I'm a cook. I'm a small business owner. I'm a producer. I'm an audio engineer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a fitness enthusiast. I'm a Star Wars fan, and I'm a speed cuber. I write essays. I read books. I love listening to music. And uh, lately, and, and strangely, it's been mostly that freaky Miles Davis freakout stuff from, from 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 1970. And I listen to that uh, to to music most of the time. I mean, it's always on. Um, yeah, I was just looking the other day. My iTunes counter has me listening to Bitches Brew 67 times this year alone. That's that's a lot of uh, of crazy jazz. Um, maybe that's why I've been a little anxious lately, but maybe not. Um, so with, with the Mike Garrigan brand going forward, starting in 2016, uh, there's going to be something new and that's the title of this show, something new, um, with me personally going forward and starting in 2016, there will be something different. That's going to be the topic of the next show, but, uh, that's something different is something I've wanted to do, uh, for a long time. 20 years ago, I was poised to do it and, um, I couldn't do both of those things at the same time. I couldn't do music 100% and this other thing, this intellectual boot camp thing at the same time, at least not well. And I'll talk more about that in the next episode. But for now, let's start with the music, something new. In my tenure as a producer and engineer and mixer and mastering guy at Two Egrets Media and Recording, not only have I had to wear numerous hats... But also, I have had to traverse and bridge many different genres of music. Uh, We don't specialize here. (laughs) Uh, Some days I've been writing country songs. Uh, Lately, I've been writing country songs. Uh, Some days I've recorded hardcore bands. Sometimes I'm working on ambient meditation music. At other times, I'm producing acoustic singer-songwriters like myself. Other days, I'm tracking EDM vocals. And each mode has its own nuance and specific markers of excellence. Sometimes, sometimes, depending on the genre, these things are diametrically opposed. Punk, for example, values expedience, rawness, and underproduction. Country music, on the other hand, showcases extreme care, detail, cleverness, and overproduction two very different mindsets. 
But over the course of working on The Echoes of Winter, my last record, and simultaneously working on other projects at Two Egrets, uh, the thought occurred to me, uh, what if I took a mold of a particular genre and applied it to a broad collection of songs? Producing anywhere from 28 to 35 songs within different quote-unquote scenes would be particularly interesting, to me at least, Four or, or five songs could be released at a time in a digital format with sort of a modular cover that could be applied to all of the, the uh, EPs in, in the series. And perhaps if demand were sufficient and the timing were, were right, the entire collection could be released as a double album physical format uh, once all of it's complete. Although if, if the rate at which a plastic bag decomposes is significantly faster than a CD, and it's packaging, I may want to uh, forego the physical copy thing. We will see. But the problem with double albums is that they are generally bloated, okay? And, and by around side three or, or side four, and, and I say side three or side four because the concept of the double album comes from double vinyl collections that are over 80 minutes or so, uh, even the much revered White Album, you could have cut that down a bit and you know use your illusion one and two while technically not a double album, but two albums released simultaneously by Guns N' Roses. Uh, it could have been a brilliant eleven or twelve song collection that I think would have been on par with their debut. If you ask me, uh, a few years ago, my friend Kyle and I we each formed a decent eleven song version of of those records based on our our preferences. Uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, but for, for me, the most anomalous and, and strange double album in recent memory is um, its kind of a mainstream record, actually. It's Stadium Arcadium by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, and for some reason, it's the, you know, it's the best record they've done since the early 90s. And uh, for whatever reason that is, maybe they got back to their roots or something. Um, another double album I like is uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, but both of those records, Stadium and, and Melancholy, they're rooted in, in good songs and they have very little filler. Um, the albums are different, though, that you know, Stadium has, has very little experimentation while Melancholy bathes in it. And the reason I bring up those two examples is that by, by releasing a series of EPs, I hope to facilitate the good things that I find in double albums. By that I mean I can focus both on the quality of the song and leave myself open to experiment within a given form. Um, so, what are the scenes? Um, the skeleton has evolved since I first considered the idea, but generally they, they will, in one respect, uh, follow the styles of music that I've made already, and in another respect, be sort of a, a sandbox for creative play within the styles that I've just kind of skirted around. The, the seven scenes on the table at the moment are, one, a piano-based songwriter, two, 90s rock band in the style of Collapsus, Athenaeum, MG4, you know, the, the band thing, three, solo acoustic songwriter in the style of building a hole or, or grow, something I've done, four, Band singer-songwriter, like Promise of Summer or Echoes of Winter. Five, 80s band. Six, 60s pop. 
and seven electronica. I have no idea how long it will take me to complete these scenes. Roughly, I'd like to try to release two a year, which amounts to about eight songs a year, depending on what happens in regard to what I'll be talking about on the next show. Uh, this could be too conservative or too liberal. I honestly don't know. Uh, I enjoy podcasting, and, and I'll, I'll most likely debut each song on a particular episode of a podcast, and then offer the entire collection of those four or five songs sometime before the last song in the series is debuted. I also really like making YouTube videos, although I haven't done a lot lately. Um, it'd be nice to feature maybe some live solo acoustic guitar renditions of these songs if they get really experimental and sort of out there. Um, they all originated on the acoustic guitar, and I can um, just come back to that in that way. There's also a new subscription system that uh, Bandcamp has, has made available to artists, and I'm going to be looking into that. So um, that's sort of the future of, of how you'll be able to get a hold of this stuff. Back to the Puya chilensis for a second. The reason sheep get stuck in the flower barbs of this really strange plant is that they, they stumble into the brambles on accident and on their own volition, and they don't realize that they're trapped until it's too late. And I hope that this scenes project isn't uh, a Puya chilensis in my life. And and the seasons weren't really that way, um, as I think those records kind of required some life experience to pull off. And you know, that's why I worked backwards through those brambles. I, I, I experienced a loss of love, and I wrote Autumn. I had just gotten off the road after pretty much four years of touring uh, and recording, and I wanted to write about celebrating life as I had known it up to that point, so I wrote Summer. As my wife Holly and I welcomed our firstborn child, Ivy, I was, I was drawn to the newness of it, and I wrote about my childhood through the lens of being an adult, and that's what, what spring is about. And in the past few years, I, I stumbled into the inevitable conclusion of this seasonal trip, and I forced myself to, to write about absence and longing and ghosts and, quite frankly, some pretty scary stuff. And um, the echoes of winter emerged after these three years of labor, uh, difficult years. And um, Seasons, uh, in, in a sense, is really a, a quadruple album that required a lifetime to create, 20 years. And, and Scenes is going to be a collection of songs that really don't require that kind of uh, thematic shift or particular scope, although what we'll experience is uh, stylistic shifts uh, throughout the, the different scenes. So as I'm recording this, I'm finishing up the vocal edits on the first scene, the piano-based songwriter. Um, initially, this particular collection was just piano and vocal. However, one afternoon, I pulled out the brushes and I, quote-unquote, just wanted to see what a jazz kit would sound like on the song February Street, and Pandora's box opened, and I violated the rules that I set up for myself. Oh, well. Um... The songs with the drum kit, you know, listening to them this morning, they sounded better as a result. And I, I foresee being finished with this collection early next year. Uh, the songs are September, uh, which I've played on Stage It a couple times, uh, Radio Forever, 
uh, February Street and Secretly Peculiar, uh, the last two of which appeared in the demo collection for The Echoes of Winter. So if you were a, a particular supporter on Kickstarter, you've heard those songs. Uh, they're also on the podcast, too. Uh, the song um, February Street is the oldest of them, and that was written in 2006. Secretly Peculiar emerged in 2010. Radio Forever was written in 2013, and September was written last year in 2014. So um, they come from a wide scope of, of times and places uh, within the past 10 years. And th- these scenes are going to be my musical focus for the next few years. And I don't anticipate having much in the artistic sense that will compete with this collection of, of songs. I'm going to be doing music production for other artists much less frequently, uh, if at all, in the coming years. And I foresee two egrets uh, becoming more of a writing facility than a production house. That seems to be what, in the musical sense and in the commercial sense, what there's a demand for, uh, from, from what I can do. And, um, you know, the the central problem that all of us artists face nowadays is the same one we've always faced. How do you stay afloat as an artist? You know, with music distribution becoming more and more streaming based and less and less product based royalties and sales are, are completely in the toilet. Um, there, there's been a domino effect that I've witnessed throughout the industry, and it's, it's affecting everything about the music business, even down to the types of acts that a local club will prefer to book. And this affects an artist's income and goes on to affect the types of clients or lack thereof that any studio can attract. And somehow, Two Egrets has managed to stay above water for all this, but it, it hasn't really grown in the way that Holly and I hoped it would long term. So... Uh, Going forward, uh, you'll see less production coming out of Two Egrets. But along with something new, uh, next year I'm going to do something different. And it's something that's radical, and it's something I've put a lot of thought into. It's something that I feel like uh, upon completion of it, I'll be able to contribute more to the music business, uh, more to society. And I think... I'll be developing a skill that our society values more. And truth be told, this was something I was going to do a long time ago. It was the first place. I remember in March of 1996, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then April, everything changed because everybody I knew was getting signed. But in the fall of 2016, I'm going to be going to law school. More on that story next time.